Second Kings chapter 8, verses 16 to 29 is our text. Second Kings chapter 8, verses 16 through 29. Now in the fifth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, being then the king of Judah, Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, became king. He was 32 years old when he became king, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, just as the house of Ahab had done. For the daughter of Ahab became his wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. However, the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah for the sake of David his servant, since he had promised to give him a lamp, rather promised him to give a lamp to him through his sons always. In his days, Edom revolted from under the hand of Judah and made a king over themselves. Then Joram crossed over to Zaire and all his chariots with him. And he arose by night and struck the Edomites who had surrounded him and the captains of the chariots. But his army fled to their tents. So Edom revolted against Judah to this day. Then Libna revolted at the same time. The rest of the acts of Joram and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Joram slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, and Ahaziah, his son, became king in his place. In the twelfth year of Joram, the son of Ahab, king of Israel, Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, began to reign. Ahaziah was 22 years old when he became king. And he reigned one year in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Athaliah, the granddaughter of Omri, king of Israel. He walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did evil in the sight of the Lord, like the house of Ahab had done, because he was a son-in-law of the house of Ahab. And then he went with Joram, the son of Ahab, to war against Hazael, king of Aram, at Ramoth-Gilead, and the Arameans wounded Joram. So King Joram returned to be healed in Jezreel of the wounds which the Arameans had inflicted on him at Ramah when he fought against Hazael, king of Aram. Then Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, king of Judah, went down to see Joram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel, because he was sick. The reading of God's holy word. Be seated, please, as we look to the Lord and his blessing in the preaching and hearing of his word. 
Your word, O God, is a, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, and we long to make the way of our path in accordance with the pattern that you've given us in your holy word. And so we pray this, this evening that by the help of your Holy Spirit, we might be warned by the warnings that are before us in this passage, and that we might take heed to those warnings, uh, and that we would be encouraged as well by its promises through the help of the Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For the first time in Second Kings, the narrator turns his attention to the southern kingdom of Judah. When here in chapter 8, verses 16 to 29, he summarizes the reigns of Jehoram, or Joram, and Ahaziah, the son and grandson of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The narrative gets a bit confusing here, because the southern kingdom of Israel also had kings with the same names. Uh, Jehoram, or Joram, and Ahaziah. So we have to take care that we understand which king and which kingdom uh, is being discussed as we work our way through our text. Tragically, Jehoram and Ahaziah share more than names with their counterparts in the northern kingdom of Israel. This passage reveals how the contagion of northern infidelity infected the southern kingdom. Children, a a contagion uh, is simply a disease that gets passed from one person to another. Uh, It's an infectious disease. And this passage tells us how the infectious spiritual disease of infidelity in the northern kingdom spread to the southern kingdom. Our text shows us that infidelity to Jehovah tragically spreads, bringing judgment upon the unfaithful, but cannot extinguish God's covenant promise. It shows us that infidelity to Jehovah tragically spreads, bringing judgment upon the unfaithful, but cannot extinguish God's covenant promise. Three things here. In the first place, infidelity is contagious. Secondly, infidelity leads to God's judgment. And thirdly, God's covenant lamp cannot be extinguished. First then, infidelity is contagious. We see this in the reigns of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, and in Ahaziah, the grandson of Jehoshaphat. How does the contagion, how does the infectious disease of infidelity spread. 
Well, it's quite simple. Verse 18 tells us that Jehoram walked in the way of the kings of Israel just as the house of Ahab had done. For the daughter of Ahab became his wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. That daughter was Athaliah. Verse 26 informs us. There she's called the daughter of King Omri, Ahab's father. Most of our English translations render it granddaughter, but the the same Hebrew word is used both in verse 18 and and verse 26. So either way, there's no, uh, either way we translate it, there's no textual problem here since uh, daughter uh, is also used to refer to a female descendant. Jehoram's wife, Athaliah, was Ahab's daughter, Omri's granddaughter. If you have Ahab's daughter as your wife, you begin to imbibe Ahab's mindset. You follow Ahab's ways. And that's the point of verse 18 in our text. The cancer of Baal worship in Israel has metastasized to Judah. The cancer has spread. The narrator makes this point more emphatically when he describes Ahaziah's reign in verses 25 to 27. This son of Jehoram has Athaliah as his mother, verse 26. So, verse 27, he walked in the way of the house of Ahab and did evil in sight of the Lord like the house of Ahab had done because he was a son-in-law, that is, related by marriage to the house of Ahab. You can't miss the emphasis here in uh, verse 27. The house of Ahab, three times in a single verse. There's no doubt then what the dominant force uh, of uh, that's driving uh, uh, what the dominant force is that's, that's driving the house of Judah. Nor is it hard to determine the immediate source of that contagion. Ahab's daughter was infected by her father's Baalism, and she infected both her husband Jehoram and their son Ahaziah. 2 Chronicles 22, verses 3 and 4 makes Athaliah's influence clear. It makes it explicit, saying of Ahaziah, he walked in the ways of the house of Ahab, for his mother was his counselor to do wicked. It also makes clear the house of Ahab's influence. He did evil in the sight of the Lord like the house of Ahab, for they were his counselors after the death of his father, to his destruction. 
The house of David has sold out to the ways of Ahab. The house of David is under the influence of the house of Ahab because of the influence of the house of Ahab's daughter. Northern fidelity now reigns in the southern kingdom of Judah. Infidelity spreads. Just like contagion spreads. Spiritual infidelity spreads. This is going to happen in the church. It can happen when one member church of a denomination imbibes of false teaching and another member of the church follows after the other church. The contagion has spread and it can spread from church to church to church. You read church history. You read modern church history. You read ancient church history. You read uh, the uh, blogs of, of uh, church ministers and elders today, and you will see that the contagion of infidelity spreads. This can happen uh, in families. The infidelity of parents can spread to their children. It can spread when parents don't teach their children the the faithful ways of Jehovah, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, our God. It can happen, uh, much of it happens by example. Uh, When our children look at us and see us acting unfaithfully before the Lord, And they imitate us. The contagion of infidelity can spread from a husband to a wife or vice versa. When the wife sees her husband acting unfaithfully to the Lord or the husband sees his wife acting unfaithfully to the Lord, and they conspire with one another. They rub off on one another. Instead of sharpening one another as iron, one, uh, as, as iron sharpens iron, they, uh, they, they, their infidelity rubs off on each other, and their marriage becomes weaker spiritually, and the church becomes weaker spiritually, and our families become weaker spiritually because of the contagion of infidelity. Infidelity is contagious. That's the first thing that we see in our text. Secondly, we see that infidelity leads to God's judgment, both in the case of Jehoram, verses 28 and 29, and in the case of Ahaziah, verses 28, uh, rather, verses 20 and 22, for in Jehoram's case, Ahaziah, verses 28 and 29. God's judgment fell on Jehoram for his infidelity when 
Edom revolted against Judah, verses 20 to 22. Jehoram, uh, when that revolt took place, Jehoram crossed over to Zaire with his full chariot force, and then in a night attack, he struck down the Edomites who were surrounding him and his army, including the captains of Edom's chariot force. But then Judah's troops fled for home. That's what we read in the text. So in a desperate night attack, Jehoram was able to break through part of the line held by Edom's troops and chariot force and make a way for Judah's army to escape certain disaster. But as 20, verse 22 makes clear, Edom's rebellion succeeded. So Jehoram survives, but his army loses Edom. No longer under Judah's control. Then verse 22 says, Libna revolted at the same time. Exact location of, of Libna isn't known, but it's somewhere in western Judah. So one of Jehoram's own cities secedes from his authority. It's not as clear here as, as, it, as it is in Solomon's case back in 1 Kings 11, where the writer specifies that Solomon's troubles came as God's judgments against him. Here in 2 Kings 8, the narrator makes his point more subtly than in 1 Kings 11. He simply describes Jehoram's wicked reign, and then he goes on to describe his substantial losses, and we're left to fill in the blanks and understand that Jehovah's hand was behind these losses. God's judgment also fell on Hazia. Like his grandfather Jehoshaphat had done twice, he made the decision to go to war with the king of Israel. In fact, the second time uh, Jehoshaphat, the, the second time Jehoshaphat did so was with uh, King Joram of Israel, also called Jehoram, against Moab, 2 Kings 3. And now Jehoshaphat's grandson, Ahaziah, joins Joram, king of Israel, in a campaign against Aram. This campaign results in Joram's being wounded. The king of Israel is wounded. Ahaziah, king of Judah, went to Jezreel to visit King Joram, Chapter 8, verses 28 to 29. Little did these kings know what was in store for them. From their comfortable surroundings in Jezreel, they will walk right into God's judgment. You have to read on into 2 Kings 9 to discover this. Newly anointed as king over Israel, Jehu mortally wounds still reigning king 
of Israel, Joram, chapter 9 and verse 24, and then assassinates Ahaziah, king of Judah, chapter 9 and verse 27. The account of Jehoram and Ahaziah reveals the judgment that God brings when anyone departs from their covenant commitment to Jehovah. Infidelity is contagious. Infidelity leads to God's judgment. The last thing that we want to see in the text is here in verse 19, God's covenant lamp cannot be extinguished. The narrator's brief account here in our text of Jehoram and Ahaziah, their their reigns with uh, this depiction of uh, the Ahabian virus that's uh, infected Judah would present us with nothing but doom and gloom were it not for the bright light shining in verse 19. However, this verse says, the Lord was not willing to destroy Judah for the sake of David, his servant, since he had promised to give him a lamp through his sons always. This verse, verse 19 refers to the Davidic covenant, 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 to 16, under the figure of a lamp. Originally, David was the lamp of Israel, 2 Samuel 21, verse 17, as though he himself, uh, as king of Israel, embodied uh, Israel's life and prosperity as a nation. But then we're told that the ongoing line of Davidic kings constituted a lamp to David. 1 Kings 11.36.15.4 And here, in 2 Kings 8, verse 19, which simply says that the Davidic plan is still in force and the spread of infidelity in Judah isn't going to override the promise to David. The sins of Judah during this time made her worthy of destruction. But God, in keeping with the promise to David to give him an enduring house, says he would not destroy Judah. David's line, uh, of course, wasn't always visible. It wasn't always uh, 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 one of David's descendants uh, on the throne. But God preserved the line of David, just as he did throughout redemptive history. See that many times in, uh, in the Pentateuch, uh, we see God preserving the line of David. Uh, we, we see it in uh, the book of Ruth. God is preserving uh, the line of David. 
And then God sent his only begotten son to earth as a descendant of David. Psalm 132, 17 is prophetic of the coming messianic king who who, uh, climaxes the Davidic line. It reads, I will make the horn of David grow. I will prepare a lamp for my anointed. We should read that word anointed with a capital A. Uh, My anointed, my only begotten son, uh, the one whom I have installed on Mount Zion, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was God in human flesh and uh, and his his, uh, kingship uh, endures forever. Uh, This great promise that God gave to David uh, that he would uh, keep the lamp burning, so to speak, is uh, fulfilled. A lamp through his sons always to perpetuate David's throne. That's all fulfilled in David's greater son, Jesus Christ. Infidelity to Jehovah tragically spreads not only from the kingdom of Israel to the kingdom of Judah, but also in the church, also in Christian families, also between Christian spouses, between parents and children. It's it's a tragic truth. And it brings judgment upon the unfaithful but cannot extinguish God's covenant promise to his people. You can't entirely avoid infidelity, no matter how hard you try. It's ubiquitous. It's like the COVID-19 virus. Virtually everyone on the planet was affected by COVID in one way or another. Even if they never uh, caught the virus, they were still affected somehow by it. And that is, to a T, the contagion of infidelities spread. You can, however, take steps to avoid the spread of the dangerous contagion of infidelity to Jehovah. You must be aware that your behavior is contagious. Parents, husbands, wives, elders, deacons, church members, your behavior is contagious. Negatively, you can cause others to stumble in their covenant commitment to the Lord. Positively, you can, by by God's uh, grace, be a model of covenant fidelity to the Lord. That's a good thing to spread, of course. 
Furthermore, you must be on guard against the contagion of infidelity and take steps to be avoided, uh, rather to avoid being infected with it. Uh, Proverbs 13.20 is a verse that you've heard me quote before, and I'll quote it again tonight. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Children, young people, adults alike, uh, that's, uh, that's something to live by. Children, you want to hang out with those who are wise. How do we become wise? We become wise by feeding on the Word of God. The wisdom of God is contained in the Word of God. We, come, we become wise guys. We become wise men and women and uh, boys and girls, young men, young women, by feeding on the Word of God. And we must take the warning here that God gives us in the reigns of Jehoram and Ahaziah, kings of Judah. It's an alarming reminder that the path that we take always leads somewhere. The way of Israel was the way of idolatry. And the way of idolatry was the way of judgment. The original readers of 2 Kings had taken that path. And they were suffering God's judgment in Babylon, in captivity. They had arrived at the destination to which their way led. To change the figure, they were reaping what they had sown. Galatians 6, 7, something we just dealt with in God's providence. Couldn't have timed it better if I tried. Uh, I didn't. Uh, but I couldn't have done it if I had tried to do it. Uh, And what our text is telling us, and what Galatians 6, 7 is telling us, is that the law of sowing and reaping is still in effect. You sow to the flesh, you reap destruction. You sow to the Spirit, you reap eternal life. Long time ago, uh, in my days around uh, the Navigators Ministry, when I was in uh, when I was serving in the United States Navy, I heard a, a, a saying that gripped me, gripped my soul at that time. It's not scripture, but it's biblical. Sow a thought, reap an act, sow an act, reap a character, sow a character, reap a destiny. God's law of sowing and reaping is still 
in effect. And if we want to change our reaping, we must change our sowing. If we want to avoid the heartache that sinful living always produces in our own lives and as a contagion spills over into the lives of others, we must decisively break with sin. Saying with the psalmist, Psalm 119, verse 59, I thought about my ways, and I turned my feet toward your testimony. What's the psalmist saying? Well, obviously he's not saying, I was walking in your ways, and then I turned my feet to your testimonies. He was saying, I wasn't walking in your ways, and, but I considered my ways. And I considered what your word, O Lord, says about my ways, and I turned my feet toward your testimonies. That's how we change our sowing and our reaping. We should not forget, whatever else we take away from this sermon, we should not forget this bright light that's shining in verse 19 in our text. And give thanks to the Lord that his covenant lamp to David cannot be extinguished. Give thanks that Jehovah's Davidic plan is still in force. And the spread of infidelity in Judah or in the church, my infidelity or your infidelity cannot override his promise to David. Let your song forever record the tender mercy of the Lord because he has made a covenant with his chosen one because he has sworn to David his servant to establish your seed forever to build up your throne to all generations our covenant made with him is sure amen Our great and glorious, merciful and gracious God, there is no God like you in the heavens above or the earth beneath who keeps covenant and shows steadfast love to those who walk after him with all their heart. This is our desire, O Lord. We, uh, we desire this in our marriages that we might be a good influence, a, a, a positive influence, and not a negative influence on our spouses. We desire this as parents, that we might be a faithful example uh, and not an unfaithful example to our children, that they might walk in your ways, O Jehovah. We desire this in our families, O God. We desire this in our church family. Uh, that uh, as elders, uh, as deacons, as uh, members of the body of Christ, we might be to one another 
an example of fidelity to you, O Lord our God, and not infidelity. How thankful we are, O God, and we express our thanks to you now that your lamp to David will never go out. That the fulfillment of that lamp in our Lord Jesus Christ, David's greater son, and his reign will never end, and that we shall reign with him. We thank you, our God, for your faithfulness to the covenant you've made with David, the covenant that you have made with, your, uh, with David's greater son, and in him, all of your elect people. Receive our thanks, O God, for we bring it in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.